As far as I'm concerned, as long as that same respect and recognition is not shown toward every one of our people in this country, it doesn't exist for me. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to have just an off-the-cuff chat between you and me, us. We want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. As I have consistently said for quite some time, I'm doing my learning in public. And a part of that learning in public is literally just trying to find people who I believe can answer the questions that are floating on social media in the minds of so many people. And I try to act as a proxy for many of these questions. So joining me today is my good friend, Dr. Melissa. How are you? And welcome to The Malcolm Effect. Thank you for having me, Momodo. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you so much. So, class is in session. <laughs> I We're going to pretend or act like, and not even act like, actually, because this is true. I am your student. I want you to give me the introduction to gender studies, the, the rundown, everything we need to know, what are some misconceptions and all of the above. So, I am your first-year student, or I've just signed up to be your student in your class, what will be the first things or some concepts you're introducing me to? Welcome to the introduction to gender studies <laughs> <laughs> and everything gender. Basically, so I get to teach these courses, actually, these introductory courses as part of my job as I teach women and gender studies, but also research questions of masculinity and other gender-related questions, particularly in Africa and North Africa and post-colonial context. But usually mm -hmm. what I try to do in these introductory courses is to begin with clarifying some concepts such as gender, sex, gender presentation, sexual orientation, which people often get confused about or, or they may yeah. assume that they're all the same because mm -hmm. we automatically conflate sex and gender or biological sex, whatever that means. So I can do a little oh, rundown. of. Ready to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, please. Give me the rundown. And I'm sure I have many questions. I have many questions that pop up and arise. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we'll start with that. And then we'll talk about because also gender cannot be conceived as outside of just, you know, just on its own orbit orbit. It's connected with everything that we do in society. It's connected with power. It's connected with systems of privilege. It's connected with oppression. Mm -hmm. It's connected to all of these different things. But just to give a little overview of those concepts. So the idea is to think of gender as not being sex. <laughs> First of all, these are two okay. different things. So sex would be what a baby is assigned when they're born and most likely just based on genitalia. And we yeah. have a sort of like very clear cut binary ways of looking at that. And then we... There's genitalia and then there's chromosomes and everything that's sort of happening inside, which can yes. come into so many various, like into so many combinations. And we tend to think that it's just about an XX and a, or an XY chromosomes where people can actually yeah. have various combinations. And then when it comes to genitalia, same thing, you know, it's, we do practice, for example, operations on babies when we think that their genitalia is not in certain norms, which are extremely arbitrary, most likely made by doctors, Western white male doctors. <laughs> mm -hmm. So there is all of these things that we, when we are first born, we are already put into that box that is yes. either or, male or female. 
But then there's a lot of people that fall in between, which we call intersex, and which can be people will have partially or fully formed genitalia from like sort of both, or you can also have a chromosome combination that's different than a clear XX or XY chromosome combination. So that's that. That's sort of the assigned sex. And then gender (laughs) on its end, which is something different, which is you should think about it as a social construct. Because it's really, we have, it's an arbitrary idea of what we assume to be masculine or feminine. Most likely we always think in terms of uh, binaries, or at least most likely in the dominant culture, in this patriarchal culture that seems to be happening in a lot of societies, unfortunately. (laughs) And the, what we don't realize is that this gender sort of presentation. So the first, the identity of gender is we have clear categories and and ways in which people are assumed to be certain things just because of their sex. And therefore, we assume all kinds of other things. And our whole society language is gendered from the clothing to the societal roles that we expect from different genders, from career paths, right? When we think of male-dominated, what is that called? Fields. Exactly. And when thinking that nurses are better when they're women, because somehow women have a natural ability for caring and this type (laughs) of stuff. Or sports, when we think of uh, football as being extremely masculine, where their ballet is seen as something that is not deemed to be masculine enough, right? So there's all of these ways in which our society assigns all of these sort of ideas (laughs) that are quite rigid, if we want to be honest. And if anything, they have become even more rigid with time. Just talking about, let's say, the past 50 years in Western societies of hyper-masculinity and hyper-femininity type of expressions all over in our society. And the thing is that that is important to understand is that these things are actually extremely, they fluctuate. They're not fixed and rigid because when we look historically, or even we don't even need to go that far, but we know that in life has happened in many ways in other places of the world and the ways in which men or women will dress, wear makeup. When you think of a native American cultures, for example, men wear makeup. And actually, it happened also in a lot of African cultures and, and uh, you know, and groups that we see Absolutely. both in the past and still in contemporary times. Same with wearing a dress, for example. The clothing is the most, I think, the thing that we tend to assess so much meaning. But mm-hmm. when we see that in a lot of places of the world, men wear dresses. I was, I was... I'm, I'm from Algeria. That's what, that's what men used to do before colonial times. And we still do wear a gondola. But then in the Western sense, that's not, that's not, that's not masculine, right? So yeah. there is that. So gender basically has a social construct. And then there is gender expression, which I sort of talked about, but then also what we deem, you know, it's hair, it's everything. It's the, even the gesturing, right? The yeah. ways in which we sit, <laughs> that we don't think yeah. about that. We think it's a natural way that women wear, will, you know, close their legs, for example. But no, it, we've been literally taught since we were little girls, most likely, that a woman or a girl is not supposed to be, or is supposed to sit a certain way. And men, same thing. And if you fall out of those categories, society is very quick to tell you that you're, you know, you're out of your script, basically, or you're not following the script. And that turns into, a lot of times, into violence, harassment in the worst case scenario, but it's also just microaggressions on on a regular basis. And we see that a lot with children and in educational spaces where Mm -hmm. a lot of children who do not feel that they conform to the whatever norm of their gender 
will be immediately yeah. received with harassment in verbal ways, physical ways. So yeah, there is that. So gender as a construct, gender presentation, and then finally sexual orientation and desire, yeah. which has nothing to do with any of that. Oh, okay. (laughs) The ways in which we have been, because we think a lot on in terms of heteronormative ways, and Mm -hmm. we tend to think that because life is created a certain way, quote unquote, naturally, that means that human beings are then have to do that all the time, quote unquote. When really we know that when people enter in sexual and intimate relationships, they're not necessarily yeah. planning to procreate and have a baby every time <laughs> because that would be exactly. really, that would be really, yeah, <laughs> would, the, yeah, we would be overpopulated and, and if anything, like at this point, it takes nine months to happen. I mean, there's all of these things, right? So okay, desire has nothing to do. We are sexual beings and yeah. we do have intimate relationships, sexual, physical relationships with people that have nothing to do with necessarily reproduction. So who we choose to desire, what what person, the body, uh, quote unquote, is also something that is quite arbitrary. Yet our most of our ideologies will try to make us believe that this is just the natural way. And we know that people have desired people of their gender for the longest time. It's not a new phenomenon. I see a lot of conversations rooted in homophobia and transphobia, mm-hmm. uh, which I also will talk about too, in terms of cisgendered, transgendered people. Yeah. We are always received with the same criticism. That is not the natural thing to do. And it's like, it's interesting because we know that we have doing these quote-unquote unnatural things for a long time. And if a lot exactly. of people are doing it, that means there's something that we should probably not no, stop absolutely. trying to put people in boxes. Absolutely. I've often said that if heteronormativity was so quote-unquote natural then society and ideologies the societies are built wouldn't spend so much time to reinforce it because it would be the thing that everyone just did anyway (laughs) absolutely because it would be so natural to us that we wouldn't have to constantly have it everywhere in our discourse because it's from our films and you know visual discourse advertising the books religion all the institutions basically preach gender or at least binary (laughs) heteronormative ideology onto us without realizing it and to a point and since we conflate biological sex and gender it makes it so easy to just be like, yeah, that's the way. That's the only way you can be. Yeah. You need to fall into that one category of whatever being a woman or a man in your society means. Because as we know, yeah. it changes depending on, on time and space. Exactly. But yet we want to pretend that this is a natural thing. <laughs> that women have, always, <laughs> uh, that for example, men in the Western world have always worn their hair short. And that's literally oh, the that's sign of, you know, of masculinity, quote unquote. Yet it's not a fact at all. Men have yeah, continued in not, a lot of cultures. I think it's quite nonsensical. I did want to ask a question mm-hmm. in terms of, okay, so this is not my view, but this, this is what I can imagine people will think about. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about like biology and bodies, and don't get me wrong, I definitely feel we have a weird obsession with bodies. Mm-hmm. And I definitely feel that's like a remnant of a lot of like race-based science anyway, mm-hmm. where they're trying to prove like, you know, because you have to think about it, we categorize people based on like physical difference mm-hmm. in order to justify their oppression mm-hmm. or in order to justify okay these people are a different type of human to us but we know scientifically there is no subspecies within the human 
we're all one, we're all human beings now. Mm-hmm. So everything else we're arguing about is literally a matter of degrees. So then what would you then say if people say, okay, but typically, people say this, I don't even know how true this is, but typically men are stronger or because men, sorry, not men, but because biological males produce testosterone more, that, that gives them a more of a propensity to violence or to aggression, for example. And they say that that's, a, that's the evidence that this is what manhood is built on and womanhood is built on, you know, they produce estrogen. So then they, mm. they bring the hormonal argument. How do you respond yeah. to that? I mean, the, there's a lot of literatures and studies about that showing how much home. testosterone doesn't do much in that sense. Or it's not like the levels are not in a difference that it will actually change your mind or your behavior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I think, again, it's a lot of misconceptions that we just to reassure the masculinist agenda. We make mm-hmm. sure that we look now at this biological thing as being the ultimate argument, right? When really, yeah. when you put in a scanner the brain of a woman or a brain of a man, most likely you can't really make the difference. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that we can see, quote unquote, as being different, but really internally we're way more closer or it's the same, similar than actually different. So okay. no, I don't think there is sort of a genetic predisposition or a chromosome predisposition for men to be more violent or aggressive or whatever, all these type of behaviors we attach to masculinity. Because we see it, it's men do the violence because we teach them to do so. Because not all mm-hmm. men are violent, thankfully, right? <laughs> yeah, so that, yeah. that shows that it's, there's also, again, a, a lot of constructed that we get conflated with exactly. biological arguments. But no, the testosterone levels doesn't do much, to be honest. I, can, I mean, I'm happy to, to send you some literature about that. But the studies are, are pretty, yeah, pretty clear about that. Okay, so then let's talk about gender being a social construct. Many people will say, so then a lot of the discourse is people can now feel themselves into another gender, quote unquote. So let's say I was assigned male at birth. I no longer feel like I fit into the category and description in which my current society defines as male. Therefore, I identify as something else. Is that feeling, people will say that feeling, is that feeling enough for such a switch if that that question makes sense yeah i mean absolutely i think so gender is actually something that is self-generated okay in that sense (laughs) because we have this we we assigned those sex at birth and then people don't necessarily want to by the gender code that they're in right in their society and they feel that something is not right and they just decide to identify with what they feel most comfortable with But then it also goes with just, and that most likely, you know, it. then you are a transgender person and trans woman if you are assigned a male at birth and then feel that you are, you would like, you identify with with being a woman and vice versa. But at the same time, it's, there's so many ways in which in our society, without even sort of changing our gender, where we are castigated on a daily basis. When a woman or assigned female at birth decides to yeah. only wear masculine quote-unquote clothing, all of a yeah. sudden she's not a woman anymore. And, and we will find all types of ways to describe her, to say that she fa- fell out of her femininity and vice yes. versa, without even mm-hmm. going to identifying with a certain type of gender. So this is why also how we don't realize how much our society is extremely, or our societies are extremely, there's like sort of a gender police all the time mm-hmm. that is going around without without realizing it it's from the people that the way they will look at you or or making sure that to to tell you how you are falling out of the script but 
yeah, yeah. gender is self-generated. I don't have to tell you how you feel inside of your body and vice versa and how you no, want absolutely. to identify. So, so if we're speaking about like gender politics and it mm-hmm. being a, a movement right now, what would you say the aim of the movement is currently? Or, or what is the aim of the movement? Is it to get people to, inter- is it to get society to interrogate how we think about gender? And its expressions? I, I think so. I don't know if there is a quote-unquote unified movement because then there's all, a lot of other layers, right? Because there is also yeah. discourse and we and this also we need to talk about race and power and the ways in which, you know, discourse around certain things are being, you know, circulated because then people will also talk about a certain colonialism of ideas and trying to impose a certain way and most likely, you know, what we call white feminism that has been... Yeah detrimental to a lot of black and people of color may it be in the west but also in the global south as we as we know with all this type of development non-profit type of work that comes in and tells you the only way to be a woman or the only way to be this is the western way quote unquote Mm -hmm. so i just wanted to make that also sort of precision because it's important i think too because again gender is not just a universal thing at all even you think we need to think about it constructed and historically you know specific and etc so when it comes to the ways in which we have been now sort of changing our ways i think people a lot of people are confused right okay. with gender sex binary non-binary transgendered cisgendered and it's really about education. I think we're trying to create societies where we are inclusive of whatever people, how they want to show up and how they want to identify. But beyond mm-hmm. that, I think there is, a, as you said in your, in your question, I think there is really, I think, an intention to be questioning the categories and the, cate- and the, the binary particularly. Okay. A lot of people just want to fall out of it. They're like, I do not want to, because a binary doesn't just mean two equal categories as we know and that and that works for race that works for all the types of you know ways in which we try to make a double (laughs) like a two-way system where we know that one is better than the rest yeah exactly and we know there is an immediate hierarchy that is implied of course there so there is definitely that i think in this quote-unquote movement or we see them the circulation of conversations and and also work you know that has been actually because a lot of people in, especially in academic circles, there's nothing new about what's happening, right? I think yeah. uh, if you take a lot, and particularly Black feminists, right, have been talking and questioning these categories for a while and doing very critical yeah. work in that sense, except that, you know, again, it's always being seen, I mean, first of all, I mean, white supremacy, but also being seen as too radical, as to this, as to that, when really yeah. it's just things that a lot of people have been thinking about, questioning talking about for decades and decades it's just now sort of reaching the mainstream and and Mm -hmm. i think yes it's important to sort of because it's all about positioning and privilege how do we evolve in our in these societies or in these groups that we we live in and how do does my my presence my positioning does it give me privilege do i make sure that others are being seen treated just with dignity because at the end of the day it's Mm -hmm. about that we it's not just abstract topics right that we're like i agree with yep. this. i don't agree with this it's really about harm people are be- are being killed because yep. they are not subscribing to the gender script the dominant gender yep. script there is an epidemics in the united states of of trans women being killed and mainly black trans women so it says something mm. right about it's not just 
yeah, it's not just abstract topics about giving an opinion and exactly. saying I'm, I'm for this or not. It's about people's livelihood and people's survival. I don't know if no, I answered absolutely. your question. <laughs> no, 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 no. Thanks. Thank you so much for that. Absolutely. Yeah. So then you mentioned, okay, back on to desire then. Desire then. Mm-hmm. Many people will say, oh, but, you know, they come back to this argument, but it's natural for a man to find things, quote unquote, feminine attractive and vice versa. What do you say that as, as a comeback to that? I mean, factually, in society, empirically speaking, that is just not simply not true. <laughs> there are people, you know, who are attracted by, as you said earlier, I really like the fact that you pointed, it out, pointed that out. We are obsessed with bodies and what people do yeah. with their bodies. And I think it is definitely a consequence of Western sort of thought, this idea, I mean, colonial ideology of wanting to put yeah. everything into a box in a neat, organized system where people don't do not do boxes. <laughs> At mm-hmm. the end of the day, we've been historically, we have so many narratives, written yeah. narratives of same-sex same desire from various cultures around the world. So it's not like it happened in mm-hmm. that one place. It's happening, has happened, will continue to happen. And also, I'm, I also kind of wonder too, why are people so obsessed by the ways in which people are used quote unquote using their body or being in an intimate rapport like how is that your business and how does that make it something that you that you're so interested in and it's interesting because we're always obsessed when it's non-normative sexuality because we don't think about heterosexual cisgendered couple having sex and their bodies exactly exactly Exactly. (laughs) it's very weird it's a weird obsession so yeah i think we also absolutely I, i found now, I found the desire argument quite interesting because I think ultimately people are just going to like what they're going to like. And they are now shamed into, oh, you have to like a certain thing or you have to like this. When really and truly, I just think the human experience is way too vast to fit into a binary. Human, like What you like in your 20s might be completely different to what you like in your 30s even. What Absolutely. you like in your teens might be markedly different. And that's, that's, that, that's not even talk about like, same sex, even like heterosexual couples, cisgender couples, you find people liking a certain type of aesthetic when they were in their teens and then they like a different look later on. And that's completely like understandable. People change, people have experiences, people experiences inform how they want to go forward. And I find it very strange. But also I think speaking from like a black man mm-hmm. perspective, not, not to privilege my lived experience, but I'm just saying that me being socialized as working class black in a particular part of the UK, I definitely understand how heteronormativity and, and ideals have been pushed onto me. For example, you know, people are afraid. To, I, I mean, I'm African, so I like dancing, yeah? But when mm-hmm. I was younger, I remember like, if I went to like a party, you know, it was not cool for boys to dance. Mm-hmm. You do not dance because you are a boy. You don't move a certain way. Or, you know, certain clothing, for example, it was, you were not allowed to be experimented with the types of clothes that you wear or the colors that you wear. And I just thought to myself, I mean, I very early on said to myself, you know what? Before anyone will label me, I will live my life and label myself. I am Mamadou, and that's and whatever that means will change at how according to how I feel. <laughs> so I find absolutely. it, I find it very, yeah, I find it very no, strange. And, and that, absolutely, yeah. and we have exactly as we just ex- expressed. You know, we are constantly reminded by people how we are supposed to live, how we are supposed to move, yeah. how we are supposed to talk, and it's just at some point, yeah. it's, it's extremely oppressive because these are literally arbitrary characteristics. Who says a man cannot, yep. you know, dance or wear a collar for a shirt? 
This is exactly. just very recent development, especially when you come from the Gambia or Senegal like yourself. And it's like <laughs> exactly. the whole clothing is about colors and and, and dancing and, and dancing and having a good time. And the whole, exactly. And it's just like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it gets I think it even gets deeper when it comes to let's say, particularly and men, that the lack of intimacy that they're, they're allowed to share with others. Absolutely. And so that extends obviously to their daughters, for example, their wives, but also in between men as well. Because mm-hmm. of the label of being called gay, which is still stigmatized, mm-hmm. people are literally like, literally robbing themselves from having intimate friendships and intimate connections with people that are not sexual. I've always found it, I mean, I find it very strange that the only intimacy you have is like mediated through a sexual relationship. That Absolutely. can't be healthy. That I know, absolutely not. And this is exactly why the dominant masculinity and patriarchy is is dangerous, is literally killing women literally. for the most part. Because when you look at domestic violence, most of violence, especially physical violence, is perpetrated by men in most our societies. Yeah. And the the numbers are very clear. Again, it, this is just factual. We're not even in, in the domains of opinions or ideas here. Patriarchy kills and dominant hegemonic masculinity based on domination kills every day and also kills men because men kill themselves way more than women when it comes to suicide. They're not usually socialized to be allowed to have emotions. Most university today, for in most societies in the world, boys are not allowed to cry on average after yeah. the age of eight. Eight is like oh, wow. the last type of, you know, the, it's, the, it's the limit. After that, as you know, they will tell you, you need to man up. You can't, you're not a girl to be expressing these emotions. And that's just bundling up so many emotions that the only yeah. time that they are expressed and they will be and accepted by society is when it comes in the, in the form of violence, in the forms of anger. And even you think we'll say, oh, that's a real man because he, he has this authority and he just fights for what he wants. When it, a lot of times it's no, it's somebody needs to deal better with their emotions exactly. <laughs> and they're not processing them well. They don't have anybody to talk to. Men don't talk about their inner life and their yeah. emotions. And even you and think the funny thing is I've been around it, people, particularly friends and you know people who I'm close to. And obviously, other than the, mon- not the mundane, we can have topics, but it's almost as if because of the construction of masculinity and manhood, they're able to like, express themselves. And, and if they get a chance to, though, mm-hmm. people, I mean, we are human beings. We go through traumatic shit. <laughs> like, you know, we're going to go Absolutely. through for our ch- childhood trauma to unprocessed trauma to, and people have been taught, oh, this is just the way I am. No, it, you are the way you are because of a series of incidents and events that have happened to you, Absolutely. which have formed your personality and the way you are. So when I've been around people and when people do finally get vulnerable, everything comes up and I'm like, wow. Like, and, I, and I often interrogate, what is it holding you back from being able to open up? It's literally, I, thought, I, I don't know, how, maybe women might be better, but typically it's because, oh, you know, men don't do that. Mm-hmm. Men don't open up. Men don't talk about that. And also they're afraid of, you know, it diminishes their status as, as a man. And I'm thinking, what a crazy world. <laughs> Honestly, Absolutely. Like, no, because a crazy in, world that we live in. You are emasculated immediately if you don't abide yep. by the tough, strong, no feelings type of man. And, and no matter how we say that things are changing, the models mm-hmm. in our, again, in our discourse, our media, is still showing these toxic models as the ultimate masculinity to aspire to, which is going to be the athletes, which is going to be the military, 
which is going to be, you know, it depends on the obviously societies, et cetera. But I see here, for example, in the United States, the military obsession, quote unquote, is, is real. Yeah. And people value that when it's really, wow, what is there to value? It's about being trained to kill other people for most likely not really a good motive or most likely a realistic <laughs> agenda. Real? So, but in general, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's, and actually also what is interesting when you start looking into masculinity is that men actually are more afraid or, or have more pressure from other men than the actual rest of society to maintain oh, wow. a certain type of masculinity. And it starts with school, the sports, the, all of that sort of different institutions in which you have to play the, the role, you know. And if you mm-hmm. show your feelings all of a sudden, you're going to be made fun of or emasculated. Yeah. But no, I, no, I, I, it's, I, it's, I, 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 very toxic. It's very toxic. Very toxic. And it's, it's time we, we encourage all people, but particularly men, to entertain healthy and deep relationships with, with the people around them. Exactly. And that, exactly. And for me, it's not like I'm saying that it needs to be other men, even though I think that's important as well. But I'm just saying that I feel it's very unhealthy if your modes of intimacy are solely mediated through sexual relations or only. I think I think that's a very unhealthy way to be. And I think that that does cause weird reactions in people because immediately someone's being nice to you. You misread signals as if to say, oh, this must be a sexual yeah, experience that's or the leading signal. to a sexual experience. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I said, but I mean, look I, at the movies we grew up watching. <laughs> yeah. We objectify women constantly. And it's just like, the, we've already placed all of these codes that are yep. so toxic and literally are the perfect terrain and, you know, for, for sexual assault and sexual violence and not having the boundaries literally. and not talking about consent and all of these layers. Literally that are so absolutely so this sort of dominant masculinity definition or model that we have going on in most of the patriarchal society is really harming harming a lot of us children women men everybody unfortunately and no absolutely and i think it's quite interesting because i find a lot of the time people just don't expand their kind of view been to what's rather than because obviously we've been socializing Western societies, but I'm in Cairo right now, and it's not uncommon to see men linking arms and walking down the street. Mm-hmm. It's very normal. That's not interpreted as you know. It's very just a normal encounter or people hugging. Absolutely. I mean, where you come from, Algeria, you know, the mm-hmm. greeting many times is a kiss on the cheek. Oh, like absolutely. We do like sex them <laughs> if we haven't seen each other in a long time. You know? so, and again, that's just very normal because there's something absolutely. to be said about physical touch. Absolutely. And, again, and, and it's for sure you have constructed, be... right? Again, exactly. it's culturally. And then from a Western gaze, you will see this as like, oh my God, what is this? Why are they so close? Are they and already yeah. making up a whole story of intimacy and sexual story when we are just, no, it's culturally we've been just okay with touching each other and saying that, that yeah, you know, and just being comfortable with that. Yeah. And we've been policing human contact, especially, I mean, with colonialism Literally. has been extremely detrimental to our to most of, you literally. know, all of the colonized lands and people. Literally, literally. So let's move on a little bit then on what's the deal with the pronouns? Why do people have pronouns in their bios? Like what's what's happening? People want to know. Again, it's to just not to avoid being misgendered because we assume that somebody will present in a certain way, abiding or not by, you know, the categories that we, we talked or at least the dominant definitions yeah. of what a man is supposed to be or a woman is supposed to be and present. And yeah. some people, uh, first of all, want to make sure that you are identifying them well 
which I think is uh, the basic courteous, okay. uh, respectful to, thing to do. But beyond that, also, there is a lot of people who are falling outside of the binary and they don't want to be referred to as he or she. And I think it's going okay. to be a growing movement of people saying no to the categories as a whole. And that too, I think, deserves to just be respected. So it's not really complicated. If you you identify okay. as a cis- <laughs> cisgendered man or a cisgendered woman, which means that your biological sex matches the gender, the gender definition of your society, most likely there's not much you, you have to do, right? But then yeah. if you have been questioning that and you feel that you either want, want to transition to, the, to a different gender yeah. or to be completely out, for example, myself, I use she, they, because I don't yeah. mind being referred to as just they. And we do it all the time when we mm-hmm. talk about somebody we don't know. Like they did this or somebody was there and I think they took it. Like it's not something that is so hard to adapt to. I think, again, (laughs) it's a lot of most of the people who will be critical about this. First, we need to educate ourselves. That's the minimum we can do. And then second, you are most likely privileged, right? (laughs) If you have never even asked yourself about these things, right? So I think it's your duty to sort of understand what's going on in terms of why people are wanting to use those to make sure that you don't misgender them. Does that that, that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think I've often said the category of non-binary, I think has the potential to be quite a radical politic, actually. Yeah. Only because I think a total rejection of the binaries is probably quite a positive thing in terms of, okay, let us assess where we are and what what are the definitions we've inherited? Where did they come from and how do they manifest materially? And how do they contribute to the oppression of certain people in society? Absolutely. And if they do so, then why not? Why not absolutely like smash them and either start again or have no binary or redefine or, and that's okay. Like these things are okay. These things are, con- these, and you, as much as um, we talk about the grand revolution of overturning capitalism, the other revolution, like a gender inshallah. revolution or <laughs> inshallah in our <laughs> lifetime, inshallah, <laughs> you can talk about the sexual liberation and these things. Uh, we absolutely. work through things. We redefine, we work through the contradictions. And I think that's an absolute positive thing that we should be doing personally. Absolutely. I, I, know I agree people, too. I know my Muslim audience might come and attack me. So for the, for the <laughs> record, yes, I am a man, a cisgendered man and identify as a man. Okay. My pronouns are he, him. That's where I'm at now. So if anyone wants to come for me, don't, don't, don't mix my words up because people love to. Absolutely. Hear. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> I think it's, again, there is nothing wrong with questioning. And again, if we are really trying to do the work of hopefully getting a true revolution, but mainly dismantling all these systems of oppressions that are working together. May it be capitalism, imperialism, patriarchy, white supremacy, and so on. We need to start with language. Language is extremely, Mm -hmm. it's the base, you know, and language is, is really important. And we also can see that some languages don't have gender. So again, that is not a natural phenomenon. Uh, Some some languages actually do not have a distinction between he and she or any of that sort of binary system. Even when you look at other cultures where you, gender was never a way to actually stratify or organize society. I think in the Yoruba culture, actually, until colonization, the ways in which society was divided was only through age. It was either you were a child or an adult, but there was no such thing as woman or man. So it's to tell you how this is arbitrary and societies have not 
always organized around gender as being a key exactly. element or a center or, you know, at the center of the project and let alone patriarchy, because we have also a lot of societies that are matriarchal. We don't talk about them. I mean, yeah. we had them, especially in the past, but still now in, in the south of Algeria and the sort of Sahel region, in Mali, Niger, all of those mm -hmm. regions, most of the societies are still matriarchal up to these days. And the gender roles wow. are very different than what you would expect, especially 100%. from the Western, you know, quote unquote, perspective. A hundred percent. And I think, I mean, you always hear of tales of the like strong matriarch of the family. Very common like in West African cultures. Absolutely. Like, very common. Yeah. And the way we pass so power circulates. Yep. <laughs> it's never, Absolutely. you know, as clear. Thank Absolutely. you, actually. <laughs> no, this is an amazing conversation. Yeah, I think I'm going to have, you, have to have you again. But this has been a very good introduction, I think. I hope it's been beneficial. Please, I will leave Dr. Melissa's um, socials on the description of this episode. Reach out to me or her if you want more material or what we've spoken about. And yeah, I just hope this can serve as just the introduction and perhaps you might have left listening after listening to this episode, you've left thinking about something differently or maybe tried to, you know, spark an interest in you to get involved in gender discussions and gender debates, which I think can only be a positive thing for many people. Until next time you're listening to the Malcolm Effect with Mamadou, please like, comment, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And until next time, peace out. <laughs>